Welcome to the Deadhead Cannabis Show. This is Jim Marty reporting from Denver, Colorado. I got my partner up in Chicago, Larry Mishkin. Larry? Jim, hope you're doing well today out there in Denver. Uh, everything here in Illinois is uh, going just fine, kind of overcast. We're definitely swinging into uh, fall season, but I, I do have to say that uh, uh, I'm a little more accepting of it now because on Saturday night, uh, I got for me what is the closest thing to a uh, a live music experience in the midst of all of this craziness, and that is, uh, for better or for worse, and I don't take a position on that, uh, Big Ten football return. So I got to watch uh, my beloved Wolverines of the University of Michigan go out and beat up on Minnesota, and uh, it was, thank goodness, uh, you know, at least some things of the fall had returned to normal, uh, if even just for a moment, because apparently some of the schools are already announcing that uh, they've got COVID problems, and nobody knows how long the season is going to go on. But for at least one Saturday night, uh, uh, I, I had a chance to watch a little college football, and it was uh, it was very nice. Yes, I've been <clears throat> enjoying college football on the last few Saturdays, and the pros on Sunday. It's very good to have football back. Very good indeed. Yep, and as long as you know they can stay healthy enough. Although I'll tell you, I'm in a fantasy football league with the NFL. And whereas before, you know, you always had to get worried if somebody, you know, got hurt in a game. Now, you know, right up until kickoff, we're all looking for the team to post their, uh, you know, their, their list of the current players who have been tested and, you know, whether anybody's going to all of a sudden at the last minute be pulled out of a game. Um, so it's, it, it brings a whole new element to fantasy football as well. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and, and we all learn to adapt and live with it, I guess. Speaking of fall, we're only a few days away from Election Day. And we are I think five or six uh, cannabis initiatives on the ballot. There are some uh, cannabis initiatives that are out there. Um, and yes, uh, Election Day right around the corner, although I will say uh, strictly as a matter of noting uh, compliance with my civic duty and uh, for no other reason. I, I did go out and vote today. I was an early voter, uh, much to my wife's uh, uh, insistence that I go do it to make sure so you don't get stuck in a long line on election day. And I have to tell you uh, that the, the location that I went to, I basically walked in and voted and walked out. So, uh, um, you know, made it very easy. Of course, you know, it's also nice to recognize uh, the privilege that I have of living in a neighborhood where I can walk in and walk out and vote like that. But uh, either way, it was nice to vote. It was nice to uh, see the system operating and, uh, uh, luckily, there was there was no uh, um, uh, disturbances of any kind out in front by anybody one way or the other. Uh, it was just a nice, very quiet day. And if there wasn't a sign there, you wouldn't have known it was a polling place. So uh, I would certainly encourage everyone uh, to go out and make sure that you exercise your right to vote this year. It's all very, very important, regardless of what side of the fence you fall on. Uh, it's, it's just more important to vote, and, and we hope you all will. Um, having said that, 
uh, in certain states, the right to vote becomes uh, very, very important, especially if you are a fan of marijuana, either as a consumer or as a person who's looking to jump off into the cannabis industry. Um, we start off with uh, Montana, and uh, Montana has an adult use bill up. It's uh, Montana Bill I-190, which would legalize, regulate, and tax marijuana in Montana. It has officially qualified for the November ballot. Um, and then they also have a second measure, uh, which is uh, Montana Measure C-1-118, which would allow the minimum legal age for marijuana to be set at 21. So I'm uh, not exactly sure why it's, it's part of a separate amendment uh, or separate ballot measure as opposed to all part of the same. But either way, uh, if, uh, if you live in Montana uh, and you are a fan of marijuana, here's your chance to get that out and get that on the board. Um, you have any business out Montana way, Jim? Yes, we have a few clients in Montana, so it's good to see that initiative up there. I think the, the big one uh, is going to be to affect Colorado is adult use in Arizona. Yes, and uh, in fact, uh, Arizona adult use, it's, it's the Smart and Safe Act, known as Proposition 207. Uh, and uh, Arizona's had a medical program for a very, very long time. They were one of the first, as I recall. Um, and it, I know that they've had uh, fits and starts trying to get an adult use program off the ground. And it looks like uh, uh, they may finally do it this time. I understand that it's a, uh, a fairly popular amendment out that way. I think that people have seen uh, over a period of time uh, with the medical program that they've had that uh, it's legitimate industry. There's a lot of money to be made. Uh, very good for employment uh, and for all the other societal issues that you and I have covered a number of times when discussing the benefits of cannabis. Uh, so, yeah, it would be great to see something change in Arizona. And Mississippi has a medical program on the ballot. Mississippi has Initiative 65. That is a medical uh, a cannabis initiative. Um, and there's also going to be apparently some sort of a competing measure. Um, and uh, I can't say that I'm entirely familiar with it, um, but we'll see. Uh, the other thing you always have to be careful about when you look at these um, uh, <coughs> these measures is what they allow and what they don't allow. And what we mean by that, of course, is I think people were surprised, for instance, when New York voted in or brought in medical marijuana and to everyone's surprise, it didn't mean that you could go down to the dispensary and buy, you know, uh, a half an ounce of flour. It meant you could go to the dispensary, you could buy tinctures, you could buy certain types of vapes um, and that kind of a thing. Uh, but as I'm looking through here and seeing Mississippi specifically, uh, uh, I see they've got uh, the, the, the difference in their two initiatives apparently has to do uh, with respect to what types of uh, treatments, uh, what, what type of conditions would allow you to qualify. And uh, whereas their initiative 65 lists up to 20 specifying conditions, uh, which allows an individual to possess up to 2.5 ounces of marijuana uh, taxed at 7%, alternative 65A instead would restrict smoking marijuana to terminally ill patients, require pharmaceutical grade marijuana products and treatment oversight by licensed physicians, nurses, and pharmacists, and leave tax rates, possession limits, and certain other details to be set by the legislature. So 
that's obviously a much more restrictive version. Um, not entirely unsurprising, uh, you know, especially in states that tend to be a little more conservative on the cultural side of things. Uh, and certainly Mississippi would fall into that category. Um, and, you know, Jim, I, I, my, my problem with this always has been, uh, and this is one of the things I think that Illinois, you know, more or less has done right and is expanding over time with it. If you're going to recognize that there's medical benefits to marijuana, even for a group uh, that's terminally ill, how can you not then go ahead and recognize the benefits, you know, for everyone else? In other words, can we really be that selective and say, uh, we're going to approve it, but only if you're terminally ill. So if you have really bad Crohn's disease or really bad PTSD or really bad insomnia or, you know, whatever the case may be, you're out of luck. Um, but if you're terminally ill, hey, guess what? The good news is you can get light uh, pharmacy grade marijuana. Right, right. So no, I agree completely. You still have states like Minnesota and Louisiana who have medical programs for years now, but they um, don't allow smokable flour. Right. And I think it just I think it just gets to the point where it seems silly. You know, that's like splitting hairs and saying, well, we're going to. And, and, you know, quite honestly, I'll, I'll tell you what exactly comes to mind right now is our old friend Bill Clinton's infamous. I didn't inhale. Right. Now, right. Either you're doing it or you're not doing it. And if you're doing it, then just say you're doing it. None of this. Well, we're doing it, but only for very, very sick people. That's but I'm not there. So. Uh, nobody asked me. However, if you live in Mississippi and you're registered to vote, you will have an opportunity uh, for your voice to be heard on this issue and uh, would, again, strongly recommend you go out. New Jersey has an adult use uh, legalization amendment uh, on its uh, on its ballot this year. And uh, New Jersey has tried over the years to get adult use up and running and uh, as of yet has not been successful. Uh, but I know that uh, and you may have heard more about this than I, Jim. I know there's always there's been at least uh, an informal, if not much more formal, competition between New Jersey and New York State to see who can get to adult use first, because whoever does will be pulling all the residents of the other state uh, across. Uh, that's not the East River. What is that? The Harlem River on that side of the, of the island between New Jersey and uh, Manhattan, whatever it is. Right. You'll, they'll either be going from New Jersey to New York or New York to New Jersey. So uh, New York State does not have anything on the ballot this time around, but New Jersey does. So we'll see if they can uh, if they can get something going there. Oh, I think it felt useful pass in New Jersey, but that's why I was saying Arizona has implications for Colorado because down in the Corners area where Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah all come together. Right. Uh, a lot of cross-border traffic from Arizona since there's adult youth dispensaries right on the border there in Colorado. That's interesting. I Years ago when I was driving home from California, a friend of mine and I went out of our way to go to the Four Corners just to take some pictures there. And uh, at the time it was, you know, pretty much dry and dusty as far as the eye could see, except for the little plaque right on the point where the four states all, all met. But I could just imagine going down there now with some states that have adult use and other states that don't and literally being able to, step from one to the other and uh, and do what you want to do. But that's that's very interesting. An another state, Jim, that's uh, uh, that has a uh, both a medical and an adult use um, uh, initiatives on their ballot is South Dakota. Uh, the medical is initiative measure uh, 26 
and the adult use provision is what they're calling Constitutional Amendment A. Um, and again, this is also very nice to see South Dakota uh, politically tends to run a little bit on the conservative side. However, uh, it is the annual home to the Sturgis bicycle, uh, not bicycle, excuse me, motorcycle rally. And, uh, you know, I think it's probably a pretty safe guess to say that uh, at the Sturgis event every year, uh, a certain amount of uh, marijuana is consumed by the participants. Yes, you know, it'd be interesting to see how the uh, House and Senate go at the federal level to see what kind of marijuana initiatives will be coming through in 2021. Uh, I do think we will see some um, federal legislation to normalize cannabis at some level, but uh, we'll see what happens uh, next Tuesday. So, uh, well, we will. We will. And, 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 you know, but again, you know, as you and I have often discussed, uh, I don't really know that it matters which party is in power as far as uh, these measures are concerned, with the only exception uh, being, you know, who is the uh, president of the Senate and who controls the flow of what the Senate does and does not consider. Um, you know, Mr. McConnell, for whatever reasons, has, you know, chosen not to make certain bills uh, to bring them to the Senate vote uh, to the Senate floor for voting. Um and uh, this is not uh, designed to be uh, a, a discussion on, on McConnell, other than just to note that, you know, as the gatekeeper, if you will, uh, he decides what the Senate will consider. And up to this point, he hasn't shown a tremendous amount of interest to do anything with marijuana. It's not to say that he's opposed to it. And at the right opportunity, he might very well do it. Um, but... Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I, I don't happen to think that he's in particular jeopardy of losing his seat this time around. So, you know, yeah. uh, the bigger issue will be whether or not the Democrats can get control of the Senate. But, you know, Jim, I'll be the first to say, I, you know, I, I tend to lean more to the left. I'm not so sure that that will become an immediate Democratic priority either. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where after, you know, uh, if they were to retake power, um, you know, I'm not so sure that they would immediately default to, well, let's, let's, let's get marijuana taken care of. I'd like to think that they would, um, but we just won't know, right, until uh, uh, we see, you know, which particular legislators are elected to both houses and, uh, you know, what, uh, what everybody feels about that. But uh, certainly, you know, what we can all do in the meantime, as, as we say here, is uh, we, we can only control what we control. And when you're in a state that has... Uh, voter measures that allow you to uh, uh, bring medical or adult use marijuana into your state, then it's got nothing to do with the legislators. It's got everything to do with the citizens. And if you don't go out and vote for it, it's not going to happen. So, you know, I would say that for all of our friends out there, regardless of red or blue, Trump or Biden, uh, conservative or liberal or whatever it is, if you uh, enjoy uh, a nice uh, marijuana uh joint or uh, uh, edible or whatever it might be at the end of the day or on the weekend, or if you go out on a Saturday night, uh, for God's sakes, please get out and vote for these initiatives and let's, uh, let's get this thing moving across the country. Yes, let's hope it's a big sweep for cannabis next Tuesday. Like you, I already voted and uh, the big issue I had to agonize over and call my friends for help on is there's an initiative to reintroduce the gray wolf to the Colorado mountains. Uh, it's been extinct. It was made extinct by the ranchers and farmers because uh, yep. it preys on cattle. 
Um, and now there's a movement to reintroduce the gray wolf. So I had to agonize over that. I've got friends on both sides of that issue. Uh, sure. Ranchers don't want it, environmentalists do. So keep your eye on the Gray Wolf's initiative in Colorado. See what happens there. Well, Jim, I, I think that that's a classic example of, uh, you know, local issues that the rest of us obviously don't know about. But, you know, for the local voters takes on an importance that, you know, in many ways can almost rival the importance of, you know, all the other issues of the president, governors, you know, senators, whatever other issues you have on the ballot. And, you know, and I agree here in Illinois, we have a big constitutional amendment up as to whether or not to go to a graduated tax. And it's, you know, received a lot of attention. Uh, what I like about it is it's become so politically charged that it it seems like it's going to be a real magnet to drag voters out because everybody has an opinion on it one way or the other. Um, and I, you know, I, I kind of like that, you know, when you have a good, some good local issues that, that, that kind of reinvigorate the voters and, and hopefully drive up the numbers of people who head out to the polls. Well, yeah, Illinois has a reputation of being the high tax state, doesn't it? We do indeed. Yes. That that's a, to try and sit here and talk, uh, uh, Illinois finances, Jim, I think would be uh, a part of the pun taxing issue, even for a guy as well versed in that area as you. Uh, and for a guy like me, it's it's beyond my comprehension. But, uh, you know, we live here and, and we persevere and, and move forward. And now we have adult use marijuana. And, you know, if it's even if it's just numbing the masses, that's OK, because we all feel a lot better about it. Yeah. We'll switch it over to music. Um, yes, sir. We want to talk about the new David Byrne uh, music video documentary that uh, Spike Lee produced. Yes, American Utopia. And we, we, we mentioned this briefly in our last show and, and indicated uh, to everyone we would be talking about it today. So hopefully people have had a chance to view it uh, since then. And if not, don't panic. It's on HBO. And I don't think it's going anywhere for a while. Um but I don't know about you, Jim, but I, I, I definitely consider it must-see TV for anyone uh, who fancies themselves any kind of a uh, musical aficionado of a time period from, say, the mid-1970s, really right up into the present, because that's just how diverse David Byrne is and, and this this presentation is. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. What a, what a treasure he is. And I would say an American treasure, but I believe he was born in Scotland. And uh, that's correct. Great, great songs, a lot of talking head songs, a lot of solo work on this record. And uh, yeah, his voice really hasn't changed, even though he's well into his 60s. Correct. Yeah, his voice is great. His energy was tremendous. But what's the most amazing thing about this show to me is the way it's choreographed. And without really uh, um, spoiling anything for anyone who might watch it and in fact hopefully enticing a few more people to check it out unlike a typical performance where you have the band and the band is set up and the musicians play and then you might have singers and dancers and everything else in this show everybody is everything and what i mean is is that there is there are musicians but nobody sits still nobody stays in a particular spot it almost resembles like a a college a football marching band in the sense that all the people are wearing their uh, instruments or carrying them, and they're all in part of the uh, choreography. So they're all moving around the stage into various locations. And it's very, very hard to believe that all of the music you're hearing is coming from this moving group of people. And in fact, I recall the stage bill when we saw it, even went out of its way to put a line that says all music is being played by the performers on the stage. 
Um, and it's, it's just, it's absolutely amazing because you, 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 you so busy watching the, 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 the numbers and the way that everybody's moving that you forget for a minute that they're also playing music and, and doing a tremendous job of it. Right, right. Well, you know, David Byrne was always known for his eccentric dancing with the talking heads. He'd be running around the stage and it's almost like the dancing in this documentary is an extension of, of his type of eccentric dancing. I agree. I think it's very much his style. And, and you know, what, what, what almost made me laugh about it is, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where even if you didn't, uh, even if you couldn't see his face, if his face was blocked, but you could see everything else, you know, within seconds, it's such a unique style that even when he does it a little bit differently, it's still, it's still just uniquely David Byrne. Um, uh, the way he moves, the way he sings, the ideas in his, in his lyrics. Um, and it's, it, it, it's just really a lot of fun. Uh, anybody who likes the talking heads, anybody who, um, has never heard of the talking heads. I got all three of my sons to watch it. Whereas my oldest son, uh, has, has, has spread his musical wings enough to really, uh, take in the talking heads. The younger two hadn't yet, but after seeing this, they immediately ran over to my CD collection and, and, uh, started pulling out all the uh, talking head stuff so they could listen to it. And, um, why not? You know, it was great music when I started listening to it my freshman year of college in 1980, um, which was already a couple of years late in terms of getting on the Talking Heads bus. Um, and today it's, it's, I think, just as relevant and vibrant as ever. And I, I tell anyone that I think that uh, their album Remain in Light is, you know, a top 10, if not a top five all time rock and roll classic album, uh, both in terms of the music and the way it introduced us to uh, this, their whole unique kind of style of music. Yes, Remain in Light is certainly a classic. And speaking of classes, um, did you see that Fleetwood Mac's Dreams is back in the top 10 or top 20 um, in making a return from the 1970s? So, Jim, we have to put this into the category, right, of what goes around comes around. This isn't Oh, you know, everybody still loves listening to the Beatles. Like, you know, the Beatles are on everywhere. You can't escape the Beatles. So, yes, the fact that, you know, the younger generation, you know, might listen to the Beatles is, is hardly surprising other than we're constantly amazed at how amazing the Beatles were, that their music is so multi-generational. Um, and bands like The Dead, we've talked about The Dead and Fish and how, you know, your son and, 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 and my sons have, 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 have really taken a liking to that and kept that music relevant. Uh, long after it first came out. But every now and then we get an opportunity where a song that at one time, you know, back in our day, let's say in the seventies was a very, very prominent song, but like most of the songs from that era, it disappeared. And unless you're listening to a golden oldies album, uh, you know, or one of those radio stations that plays seventies music, chances are, you know, you're not going to come across it. And even more chances are that if you did come across it and you were listening to it in the car and trying to sing and your kids are in the car with you, they'd scream, turn it off. But then we get to TikTok. Back in uh, the late 70s, you couldn't turn on a radio without doing a flute with that song. That's and true. That it's um, got a revival is through TikTok. Right. So there's a young man on a skateboard in Iowa who lip syncs that song while he's drinking a quart-sized bottle of uh, ocean spray cranberry juice. And it's become such a phenomenon that everyone's trying to recreate his TikTok video, including 
Nick Fleetwood and Celestine Nick. So, so just for uh, listeners who who may not be old enough uh, to know about this, or for listeners who are old enough but just don't necessarily recall all the details, uh, the song "Dreams," which I believe was on their Rumors album, was a number one single, uh, and on the Billboard uh, on the Billboard Hot 100 that was dated October 17th. 1977 uh at some point thereafter it, it, it dropped back down and then eventually fell off the charts sometime towards the end of the year it is now back to number 21 on the billboard hot 100 uh you know 35 40 years later here we are uh and it it, it garnered its best ever weekly u.s streams and download sales of 13.4 million streams, which is up 54%, and, and 22,000 downloads, which is up 197%. But that just makes me laugh, Jim, right? Because in our day, the radio wasn't. Nobody was streaming. Nobody was downloading. You either went to the record store and bought a record and came home and played it on whatever stereo system you had, or you listened to the radio all day hoping that they would play it. Right, right. Well, listen, um, that is what's fascinating. And, you know, it's nice to be an aging baby boomer and uh, seeing a renaissance of the music we grew up with back in our college days. Um, so we're coming to the end of our time. So, like, Larry, was there anything else you'd like to touch on today? Well, I think one last thing that, uh, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't mention because it really does touch just about everything that you and I stand for. Um, but there was a... Uh, a uh, release the other day uh, that I happened to come across um, that there is a new Jerry Garcia branded cannabis line that is coming out next month. Um, it is Garcia handpicked uh, is the name of the brand. Um, it's being marketed by holistic industries, which is one of the larger private multi-state cannabis operators in the U S in partnership with the Garcia family. And the goal, of course, is to honor the legacy of Jerry, who passed away in August of 95. Uh, his daughter, Trixie, uh, was behind this whole thing. And Jim, I, you may recall, and hopefully some of our listeners do as well, uh, uh, a while back on our show, one of our guests was a gentleman named Rob Hunt. Uh, Rob is uh, both a lawyer and very actively involved in the cannabis industry. And uh, for a period of time, he was working with an investment group that had reached out to the Garcia family about the possibility of, uh, uh, of coming out with this type of brand. And he had mentioned his involvement with Trixie and all of that. Uh, the good news is that we actually have Rob Hunt coming on our show again, uh, either next week or the week after. I apologize. I don't recall which one. But if you go to our website at mjbulls.com and check out the uh, Deadhead Cannabis site, you'll see exactly when. And this will give us something to... Uh, to talk to Rob about because uh, my guess is he knows uh, one or two of the people involved in all of this. And of course, anytime somebody like Jerry, who to all of us deadheads, you know, not didn't just epitomize uh, psychedelic music, but epitomized the substances that we all took that accompanied the psychedelic music. And, you know, for him to put his brand on anything, uh, you know, makes any deadhead have to stop and take notice for a minute. Um, so, you know, I'm sure over time we'll start to get reviews back about the quality of it. And it always makes me a little nervous, Jim, because, you know, I'd hate to see a product with Jerry's name on it and not live up to itself. Right. I'm sure it will if the, uh, 
Jerry Garcia State has anything to do with it. They always do a good job with his CD releases. So um, that's true. Less Very true. So we'll see. But we'll have we'll have more on that as as we get uh, as we get reviews in and, and talk to people who have had an opportunity to try it and uh, uh, certainly pass word on about that because uh, how can this show be anything other than totally supportive of a cannabis brand uh, honoring Jerry Garcia? Very good. Well, I think that's uh, it for this week's show. Um, this is Jim Marty saying we're out from uh, Denver, Colorado. Jim, once again, always a pleasure spending time with you talking about our favorite subjects. Uh, to all of our listeners, I hope you have a good week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Please, please, please go vote and enjoy your cannabis responsibly. Talk to you next week. Okay. Over and out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Tune into a major journey podcast today, where guests take listeners on journeys and immerse themselves in the roller coaster ride both in and out of the cannabis space that brought them to where they are today. Throughout our conversations, guests share valuable lessons that they've learned along the way that listeners can use to empower growth both in their personal and professional lives. Check out A Major Journey today on all major podcast platforms.